Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. You are listening to a Hive Talk Live stinger. Buzz Buzz. Welcome in, Hornets fans. Yes, this is a Hive Talk Live stinger. Normally, either I do this alone or David will do this alone and, and maybe have a guest, but this is a special stinger. Uh, we're actually in sort of a mini off season here. We're releasing these uh, summer video series. Go check those out on at the hive.com. Uh, but, but this is not a normal stinger because both David and I are, are here for this one. This is sort of um hive talk live light, David. That's right. We had to break in anytime, you know, the schedule drops, you, you get a feel for what you're going to be doing for the next, Oh, I don't know, year of your life. So you want to you want to chat it up and talk about it. It's important, and, and they gave us about a day's notice. That was very nice of the <laughs> of the well, NBA. Yeah. Thank you. And we, we we've broken it down completely in, in less than twenty four hours. So stay tuned. It's going to be good. That's why you'll you'll notice on the post. I said these are our deepish thoughts uh, because, right. and I think that's two part because we haven't had a ton of time to prep on this stuff. But I think also it has to do with the fact that. Really, there's only so much analysis one can do of the schedule because, you know, I, I, wh- one thing I don't like about when schedule time happens is that people will immediately make record, like full record predictions for teams. And to yeah, me, that's I don't so know how you do it. Yeah, it's so silly because you just you don't know injuries, you don't know how teams are going to shake out. It, it seems almost silly to go, oh yeah, the Hornets are going to be 45 and whatever. Because I looked at the schedule. Now, I, I, right? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. No. Yeah. You're exactly right. It's tough to tell with with teams and players moving around. I mean, like you said, I mean, you can pencil in some of these teams to be pretty good, um, but you just don't know. You have no idea. Injuries are the biggest thing, but you know, chemistry, as we saw last year, you just don't know how it's going to play out. So at this point, it's really tough to tick off wins and losses. I think. Yeah, absolutely. So I think one thing we can do is look at the first 10 games of the schedule. We'll do that here in a moment and sort of break down how we think the team will look after 10 games because that's very important. I mean, getting off to a good start, the Hornets didn't necessarily do that last year. It's important to get off to a good start, especially like if you look at the schedule this year. Uh, But I thought we'd start first by just breaking down some of the statistics that you need to know about this year's schedule. So let's do that. Okay. Um, the, the big thing with the schedule this year, David, as you know, the NBA was focusing on less back-to-backs for teams, less four games and five night stretches for teams, because in a lot of people's minds, those stretches and the, the, uh, amount of back-to-backs was really starting to affect the product. So for the Hornets Mm -hmm. this year, their back-to-backs dropped to 16 down from, I believe, 22 last year. Yeah, they definitely yeah, they definitely be in the 20s for the last what, 3 or 4 years, at least 3 years it, it seems like. And it's surprise I had heard rumblings that that the Hornets weren't going to be yeah, it was 22 last year. I heard rumblings that the Hornets weren't going to be you know, the most back-to-backs this year 
But 16 is a pretty low number. Uh, someone averaged it out. Last year, the average number of back-to-backs for teams was around 19. This year, it's 17. So the Hornets are actually below average when it comes to back-to-backs. And then four games and five nights stretches for the Hornets, zero. That's big. That's, That's big, huge. I think. That's huge because, again, we, we watched those four, night, four games and five-night stretches, and by the end of those stretches, again, the pro, they're right. The product isn't where it needs to be. The, t- the teams that are participating in those stretches struggle immensely. And, you know, a lot of times I, – I can't remember who made this argument on Twitter last night, but I agree with it. A lot of times in the schedule, especially when you get into sort of the doldrums of winter – it's not always about, oh, this team has this much talent and this team has this much talent. It's about like what what is that team what does team A had to go through before they got here? Did they do four games in five nights? Did they do three games in four nights? And it matters. I it mean, matters. especially these days. Yeah. So the Hornets get a little bit of a break there, thankfully. And I thought it was interesting that they didn't have to give up a lot of the the weekend games that small markets like the Hornets covet because it's easier for fans to get out and, and get into the seats on weekends. Uh, last year, they had 15 games on Saturday, nine games on Sunday. This year, uh, 13 games on Saturday. So just a, a two-game drop there and then nine games on Sunday because that's, David, that's always been the thing. It's like the Hornets have the most back-to-backs, but it's of their own making because they request mm-hmm. all of these weekend games. And so, right. you know, this year the the scheduling gods, uh, Adam Silver, just sort of shined uh, a little brighter on the Hornets. Yeah, that makes sense from the Hornets' standpoint. I mean, I get them wanting to have those weekend games. I mean, you got to deal with the market that you're in. You got to look at everything in context. So, for them to want to build up the fan base and get the, a good crowd at those games makes a lot of sense. At the same time, you know, it's nice to see. You know, I don't know if the conversation was had with the league office, but just to say, hey, you know, come on, guys, there's got to be something else we can do to offset these weekend games besides giving this team the most back-to-backs in the league, you know, year after year. So, yeah, they have 16 this year. I think the the, the fewest amount is, is 14, right? So they're down there, I guess, at the bottom, certainly below the league average. So that's nice to see. Um, at the end of the day, of course, they still have to play the games. But it does help when you can narrow down, especially last year, obviously, with the injuries. It was just killer for this team to get very little rest and and not be able to have a full complement of players to just get used to each other. So hopefully that will be a sign of maybe a a changing of of the times here for for the Charlotte Hornets. And and tough to prove definitively, David, but one could could make an anecdotal argument that the the brutal schedules for the past few years – could have caused some of these injuries. So you could say that if you want to. Again, it's tough to definitively uh, prove, but mm-hmm. so I certainly I think it's in the back of their minds when they decide to, you know, loosen up the schedule a little bit, make the All Star break a little longer, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, another thing to note, David, they do have sixteen back to backs, but two of them will be home and homes. So again, you get sixteen back to backs, but really those home and home back to backs not as tough because you don't have to travel. And I, I I don't see it on here, but I don't think that the Hornets have 
a an away away back to back, aka the most brutal of the back to backs when you have to travel one place and then travel to another. I don't believe they have any of those either. Yeah, I thought I saw one, but you might be right. I don't see. Well, they got okay in April. They got Sunday, April tenth, Washington. Monday, April eleventh, Boston. The Washington game's a one o'clock game. Okay. So that's the uh, that's the one that I and then there's a Detroit Milwaukee. So you're you're 100 incorrect on that. Doug. Okay, good, good. It's good to know that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I see. Here's my thing. I've always lived my life this way, David. I either want to be 100 percent correct or 100 percent incorrect. I don't want to be. Yeah. I don't want to be in this what I call the mushy middle of knowledge. You're all in. You're all. In. Uh, there, there's a, actually there's another one. So I've, I've counted three so far, but <laughs> Damn I haven't counted. All right. I, t- I told you this is deep-ish thoughts. This isn't... That's fine. All right. Quit looking at the schedule. You're not allowed to look at the schedule anymore. I mean, again, that's April. That's March and April. That's that, spring. That that's we'll nothing. That yeah. You know, it's not like they're, you know, traveling in the winter. Don't look at the winter, by the way. Don't find another one. I'll come across these telephone lines. That's it. That's it for now. That's it for now. Okay. Uh, season opener, October 28th at Miami Heat. We actually open uh, the first two games on the road. So division rivals too. Yeah, division rivals, and then we have a home and home against Atlanta. So the home opener lands on November first. Uh, let's let's talk about this opening slate. It's perfect time. Um, I tell you what. Let that me first week and a half, two weeks, whatever you want to call it. I mean, they didn't do it. They didn't do the Hornets any favors on that. I no, would say. no. Let's read it off here at Miami, at Atlanta in October. Then we come back home. We play Atlanta again, Chicago. And then we uh, fly out to Dallas, San Antonio, uh, at Minnesota. So that's a three-game road trip. Uh, and we come back and play uh, New York and Chicago again. So, you know, a lot of playoff teams in there. And even Dallas, who, you know, uh, lost out on DeAndre Jordan, they still restacked and and have a, a, a contending team. So, you know, I think yeah. how you view these first – 10 games. Uh, oh, I missed uh, Portland. I guess Portland will be the last game there um, at home Sunday, November 15th. How you view these first 10 games really depends on what you think Atlanta is going to bring to the table this year. Because if you think Atlanta losing DeMar Carroll and uh, it, it was a big deal, and if you think that they're going to continue the play that they showed in the playoffs, which wasn't very good, then this this first 10-game slate – doesn't look that bad, David. But if you think Atlanta's going to come back, you know, on fire, then this looks pretty brutal. And that's the tough part about it because when I'm looking at especially this first month, this October, November slate, I mean, you go down that list and you don't really see an automatic win. I mean, you don't see an easy game. Certainly, unless the NBA, you're not going to be any. Well, they're going to be some easy nights, but you know all these teams are going to provide a challenge, especially in the beginning of the season. I mean, you're getting Miami. You know, we we assume at, at its fullest of strengths on the very first game of the season, and same goes with the rest of these teams, like a San Antonio, who we know you know rests some tired legs through the season, and Dallas as well, who's got some veterans on that team. But those two Western Conference teams obviously are talented, and obviously are going to provide some challenges for. Charlotte to say the least and you're right I mean if you're looking at Atlanta from last year they'll still be figuring some things out I guess trying to replace what Damari Carroll brought but for the most part I mean they're still going to have 
all their horses that they had last year, especially from a scoring standpoint. I mean, he did a lot of little things and he scored some too, but you know, that's a guy you think they can try and replace with, if not one guy, maybe two guys replace that effort, that hustle that he brought, but they're going to have pretty much everyone else. And if they're firing all cylinders, like they were last year, I mean, that's a pretty tough opening slate of games. I do think on the back end of November, you know, you got the Knicks, you got the T-Wolves, you got the Blazers, you got the Knicks, you got the Nets, you got the 76ers. So they've got a little chance in there to, to develop some momentum, even if they stumble out of the gates. But that's something we've seen consistently from this team, unfortunately, over the last two years, that slow start that's made them have to have a fantastic, you know, post-All-Star season. And it would be great if they could maybe end the month of November on a little bit of a win streak. When you factor in, like I said, Philly, you have the Bucks in there who are going to be tough, but then you got Sacramento, uh, division rival in Washington, and end out in Cleveland on, on November 27th. So there are some tough games in there, but there are some opportunities to build some momentum. So the way I the way I see this is, I think the Hornets matched up well against Atlanta early in the season last year. They got the the triple overtime victory uh, at full strength for both teams. So I don't think it's not impossible uh, to come out of both of those with with W's, but especially I think when they come back home uh, in November, I think if they can go one and one uh, in the October slate in the the two game road trip that they have there against Miami and Atlanta, mm-hmm. if they can go one and one there. I think they can pick up a victory at home against Atlanta, and it's a two o'clock game, so it's a weird game. And I always feel like weird time games are advantage home team because they at least get to you know, they're in their own space. So when you're away and you have a weird time game like that, it's like double, double weirdness. So I think the Hornets could come out of uh, November 1st, two and one, and then you go Chicago, Dallas, San Antonio. Uh, even if they drop all three of those games, they're two and four. And then they have Minnesota and New York. I think those are W's. So uh, what does that put them? Four and four. They're even going to, into Chicago. Uh, yeah. and, and then Portland and New York after that. So, and then they have this their their biggest home stand of the entire year starting uh, November eighteenth against Brooklyn. So, right, it looks like on paper it looks tough, but I think uh, th- this Hornets team has to prove that they can get off to a good start because, like, if you look at March and April, it, 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 there are a lot of tough games there. So. You know, I, I think this team uh, desperately needs to get off to a good start because I think, you know, if they come out of that homestand and into December with a losing record, I, I don't know. I just don't know how long fans will will stick with this, you know. Well, with all the movement we've seen in the offseason, they need to have, you know, something on the uptick early in the season to kind of give the, give the sign or give the appearance that things are moving in the right direction. You know what I mean? I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty right now with some of the additions and how they're going to fit um, more probably, I guess, looking in the long term. I mean, most people think they are certainly a better team, at least on paper than they were last year, but you just never know till they get out there on the floor. And the other thing we have to remember, you know, these early games against some of these good opponents, the Hornets are going to be healthy too, you would assume. So, you know, if you got Al Jefferson back at full strength, you, you add in Nick Batum, and the rest of the additions they've made. I mean, they're going to be a better team. So um, it is going to be a different look, especially than what we saw from the Hornets at the end of last season and certainly throughout that season when everyone was injured. I mean, MKG, you know, 
was out for a good portion as well. So they're going to be at full strength too, which which plays obviously into the hands of the Hornets. It's a good thing for them. Jumping back to that home opener, I think it's interesting because that two o'clock game is so weird. I mean, Sunday at two o'clock is a pretty early game that early in the season. And the thing to remember about that is the Panthers, the Carolina Panthers also playing Charlotte. They do not have a game that day. Thankfully, I I'm, I'm guessing some of that was planned. They actually play on Monday night. So you may get a little added buzz in the arena and around town because people will be used to going, you know, to a game on Sunday, getting downtown. Uh, it's an NFL Sunday, of course, so it'll be going up against that, but um, you know, that should be good for a home crowd, a home opener, especially if you can get one of those wins against Miami or Atlanta and come out of there one and one coming home to, to open up the season. That could be good. It could be. Now, an interesting thing to find out, I guess, is are the Panthers playing? I know they're playing away. Are they playing at one o'clock? Because that'd be tough. No. No, they're they're playing. The oh, they're playing the Monday night. They're playing the Monday night game. game. You're okay. Yeah. See that? Yeah. Then that's that has to be it because they, you know, you. I think it's good for the Hornets to open up on the weekend. And if they had to, they didn't want to probably open up on a back to back, you know, and play on that no. Saturday, October thirty first. So it's like you get a day of rest. You come back your Sunday game, and it it doesn't have to be a night game. People got to get up and go to work on Monday. So I mean, I get the rationale. It's just very odd to to do a home opener at two o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday. You know, it's it's certainly not unheard of to do Sunday two o'clock games, but definitely for your uh for your home opener, it's an odd thing. It'll but, be a change of pace. But and you know, it, like you said though, it's always weird because that's that is um a different groove, you know, a different a different routine that the players have to go through when you're used to playing night games and you and you throw a random Sunday night game or Sunday afternoon game at two o'clock. So They'll have to get up for that one, but maybe playing, you know, home opener, it'll be easier for them than the team coming in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, I know. I think it's double, like I said, it's double weird for Atlanta to have to come into Charlotte and then play the two o'clock game. Uh, we talked about homestand. Oh, by the way, uh, Hive Talk Live will be back to our regular schedule uh, on September 1st. We're going to talk about training camp, player previews, all kinds of stuff. September 1st, 6 o'clock p.m. We're live, back in action on atthehive.com. Set your calendar, your reminders for that. Uh, we, we were talking about homestands, the longest homestand that the Hornets have. They have a actually a six of seven game home stretch. We talked about it already uh, from uh, November 24th uh, to December 10th. Um, but the actual like longest home stretch that they have, continuous seven games from uh, – November 18th to December 2nd. And then they have another seven game home stretch in March from March 4th until uh, March 16th, Indiana, Minnesota, New Orleans, Detroit, Houston, Dallas, and Orlando for that one. So it's nice to have the early home stretch and then the home stretch in March. But I tell you, when you look at the stats from last season's schedule and this season's schedule, there, there are a lot more away stretches for this team uh, this year than there were last year. We have road trips of six games, and then we have three road trips of four games, two of three. And last year, we our longest road trip was four games, and then we had five stretches of three-game road trips. So that's going to be tough. They're probably uh, they're going to put the miles on uh, on this team, uh, so they'll have to survive those stretches as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, you look at it uh, in January, five home games. February, four home games. Now, that includes an all-star break in a little shorter month. And April, which is a shortened month, too, only three home games. So you've got those three months there where they look to be out on the road a little more than they are at home. But I think that season-ending homestand that you mentioned in March, you got to think that's going to be big. I mean, uh, I think everyone sees this coming down to the wire as far as playoffs go so that homestand in March could be could be really big well it's huge because you know in late March and into April they play so many on the road I mean that's when we get into December and January shows David we really need to take stock of how this team is playing on the road and that the February they have that big six game road stretch and again that will be and it's an eastern coast road stretch an east coast road stretch so that will be important to take a look at as well because you look in late March, we're, we're at Brooklyn, at Detroit, at Milwaukee, at Philly. And then in April, we have uh, we go to Cleveland, Toronto, New York, Washington, and Boston. Uh, so again, a, a, you know, Eastern Conference teams, but we're on the road. So if the Hornets can't win right. on the road and they're in a tight you know, playoff race, it, it could be trouble for, for the teal and purple. Yeah, and, and I believe last year – Correct me if I'm wrong, if you can remember this, but it seems like they had a lot, a heavy Western load, heavy load of Western teams they played early in the season in the first two months. Is, is that? Am I imagining that, or is that? No, they they or, they had a four game. Uh, they're actually their their biggest road trip of last year uh, was in November. They went to uh, L.A. to play the Lakers, Portland, Phoenix, yeah. and Golden State. That was huge. And that did not go well. That did not go well. It did not. And then uh, they actually had a home stretch where the Clippers, uh, Trailblazers, and Warriors came back in same month in November. So yeah, a lot That's of right. West Coast teams. Because um, we 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 talked a lot about that last year. How we had played, you know, more West Coast teams in in that beginning stretch than than any other team. Yeah, and I don't know how it shakes out this year. I mean, they're sprinkled in a little more. More, November, more East Coast. More East Coast. In, yeah. In, 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 actually, I have the figures here. I'll read these off to you. Um, so last year we had 10 Western Conference games in October, November, 6 in December. Uh, this year we only have five in October, November, and then six again in December. But January, 12. Western conference teams come to, or or we go to them or they come to us. Yeah. December's you've got the Lakers and the Clippers at home, as well as the Grizzlies, as well as the Warriors. So, I mean, some of those are at home, which is nice, but you still got to travel to Memphis and Houston in the month of December. And then January, you're right, is loaded. You got the Western coast swing with the Warriors, the Suns, the Clippers, and then the Nuggets, the week of January 4th, and then you round out the end of January, Sacramento, Utah, Portland, Lakers. So um, that, but see that potential at the end of January on the road for the Kings, the the Jazz, the Blazers, and the Lakers. I mean, that's a Western Coast road trip that you've got to be circling and saying we can come out of there with at least, I mean, you know, you want to say three wins, right? I mean, the, the Kings, the Jazz, the Blazers, and the Lakers. Yeah. No, I, I think so, and I mean, you know, again, though it's tough to it's tough to project these things out. Yeah, we don't know yeah, what Sacramento exactly. if, if they're going to be able to pull it together. Uh, Utah will be will, will certainly be a threat. Although, I mean, they just lost Dante Exum, and they're not right. they're not big on Trey Burke, and he hasn't played well. So, you know, again, a lot of, a lot of variables. But 
I see your point. Like again, I I just I'm not here to say like the, this Hornets schedule is easy or it's tough or it's the easiest, uh, but I do think that there are stretches that are much more favorable to the Hornets than than we saw last season. That's what I'll say. I agree. Is that okay? Can yeah, I say it's that? A, it's yeah, I think so. It feels a little more even you know what i mean i mean it feels a little more spread out as far as what they have to do but you look at that right before the all-star break on the heels of that western coast trip they come back home and close out with cleveland miami washington chicago uh before heading out to indiana for the uh, for the all-star break so that's another you can find some little pockets on this schedule where you can say well if things are going right you know they could really build some momentum there but as you said i mean who the heck knows you know who's going to be injured what games are going to be played, um, you know, between teams and coaches and who's going to sit, and who's going to play. So a lot to be played out, but that's why you look at things, uh, you know, this early, <laughs> this far ahead, I guess. Uh, let's end this thing with probably the most interesting discussion, and that's national TV games. The Hornets mm. only getting one national TV game, that game being uh, a home game, against Orlando. It's the last game of the season, uh, Wednesday, right. April 13th, slated for uh, ESPN. And that game, like we, we saw last year, will most likely be flexed out to you know uh, some kind of close playoff race in, in the West. Yeah, it's basically like they didn't. I mean, <sighs> they, they it's frustrating. one. But you know that's not going to hold, I mean, in all likelihood. I mean, that's just saying here's your national TV game just so that you can say you have one. Which is right? funny I because mean, they, they, they didn't have – like that's that's what – here's uh, – I'm sorry. I'm getting I'm getting verklempt here. Um, that's all right. Here's what confuses me. So th- there are three teams that did not get a national TV game. Uh, the Nuggets, uh, the Sixers, and I'm missing one. Maybe Phoenix. I don't know. Um, and so you don't have to give a team a, a, a national TV game. There's no like throwing a team a bone. They could have certainly just said, uh, you know, Detroit. Hornets, Hornets, Detroit's the other one. Detroit. Got, I think. Yeah. So, so that's what I don't understand is that why, why give this game that, that everyone looks at and goes, oh, yeah, that's going to get flags. And, and then mm. the other, th- the other thing that I don't understand, David, is why have, this many teams and then purposefully decide we're not going to showcase almost a third of them properly because look, I understand the economic realities. I I get why the Hornets don't have 10 national TV games. And I understand that you you have to earn it to an extent. You have to go to back-to-back playoffs. Like Oklahoma City is a small market, and, and they get plenty of national TV exposure because they have star power. superstar talent, and they go to the playoffs. Yeah. But, well, you saw an uptick with New Orleans this year. I mean, the Pelicans are getting primetime and, like, you know, spotlight games this year, whereas last year they were hardly seen at all. And that's the Anthony Davis effect, that star power. I, I get it. So, but I, I'm saying like one national TV game that's going to get flexed. You're just you're you're deciding that there are five, six, seven franchises in your league that won't be showcased 
nationally. And it's it's the argument against the NBA versus the NFL as to popularity because in the NFL, you know, it's not a regional alliance. You know, people will mm-hmm. will watch, you know, San Francisco and Green Bay play and then watch the Panthers here in in Charlotte. But but teams you know, or or fans across the country aren't going to tune in to the the Hornets and the Magic because again this has been instilled this like the NBA is a regional sport and and that's their fault because they haven't properly showcased some of these markets and I'm I'm saying yeah. this is a long term thing this isn't just like this season that this has cropped up no and and you heard more noise on it last year when the Knicks and the Lakers were still getting shown a lot. Um, despite the product not being the best. And I mean, this, you know, the, the NBA has, has marketed it as a superstar league, right. And the NFL hasn't exactly taken that approach. So, I mean, it's, it's tough to compare to the NFL because really they can do no wrong with whatever they put on TV, but I think you're starting to see a little bit of it, but I mean, as far as, you know, flexing in and out games and trying to get better matchups, but to your point, I mean, it's still at this point, I don't know. It's going to be tough for anyone to argue, I guess, putting the Hornets on, on, on too many primetime games. I mean, one or two here. I think I think you're right, though. There's so many games and there's so many teams. And the great thing about League Pass is that every night there are there is a there is a, a nail-biter, there is a, buzz, a buzzer-beater. There's a great game somewhere. But most of the time, if you don't have League Pass, you're not seeing it. Um, and that's something the league is missing out on. To your point, just, you know, those great games that are not being seen so that you can showcase people and players and teams that may not get all the pub in the world. And you get back to Anthony Davis, you know, he's going to get more shine this year and they're going to be on TV more. But it's almost like the league is a little bit behind, a year or so behind, because anyone who was watching before saying this guy's unbelievable, this guy's amazing. But nobody's seeing him play because they're never on TV. So for the Hornets, uh, you know, the answer for them is they just got to win some more games, I guess, and create an exciting brand of basketball because they don't have that superstar power. So that's what the that's what the league's looking at right now, and it's it's tough for them to argue for putting them on TV, I guess. Now, and, and again, I'm not crazy. I don't think the Hornets yeah. should have you know 10 plus national TV games. I understand sure, the economic sure. realities behind it, but but you can when- match them up with you can match them up with. I don't know. I mean, the Heat, you know, some of these, like the Wizards, I mean, those are those are good games. I get your just, point. Like, just like – You can look at – yeah, you, know, you can look at these matchups and say, these are good matchups. These are historically good games when these teams are playing each other at full strength or whatnot. But those are fun games to put on. I mean, people are going to tune in for entertaining games too. That's what I'm saying. Like, there, there are so many national TV games. I mean, TNT has Thursdays and then, you know, ABC gets Sundays – and then they're Wednesday NBA night, TV. Wednesday, Wednesday and Friday. Well, they they finally decided that NBA TV is not a national TV game. Thank you. <laughs> like that's a joke. Like they listed it on the schedule. Like oh, the Hornets have. Oh no, the Hornets have. Uh, right. You know the five national TV games on NBA TV. <laughs> no, they don't. That's yeah. NBA TV. Come on, get serious. Um, but here's what I'm saying, is that they found opportunities this year to get rid of four games and five night stretches to get rid of Mm -hmm. back-to-backs these smart scheduling guys could find a way to match up 
a team that everybody wants to watch like the Heat against right. a, a, a team in their division like the Hornets. I mean, the Wizards right. got like four or five national TV games. I just think there, there's got to be a way to showcase more of the NBA because, again, I think that that one of the biggest problems with the NBA's popularity is that it's a, really seen as a regional or, you know, you, you cheer for your team, you watch your team, and then nobody – you don't watch any of the other teams until April. Until playoffs, that's a, that's the big thing. Oh, well, I, you know, I watch a little bit at the beginning of the season, and then I tune in a, during the playoffs. There's a reason yeah. for that. There's a reason yeah. for that because a majority of the country and their teams can't be on national television. I think the thing to do might be to to spot pick, especially early in the season when these teams are at full strength. Um, you know, pair up a team that that isn't on that much and throw them in there to these, you know, two and three game nights with the marquee teams. Like you're saying, pair them up with somebody who, you know, is going to draw no matter what. And that's a way to fix it at the same time. Gosh, I mean, you look back at, especially, I don't know, at times the Hornets were tough to watch anyway, last year with, with, with the injuries, but, but no, to your point, uh, it does make sense because the, to broaden the appeal and to broaden the the viewership of of some of these teams that just aren't seen, and just to say, hey, good well, basketball is played other places. And and here's the other thing, you can you can bet your ass that if the Hornets are playing well in in February and March, they're not going to flex. <laughs> they're not going to flex out a national TV nah. game to put the Hornets on television. You know nah, what I'm saying? No, nah. yeah. That's that's what's frustrating yeah. is that you're it's it's a, a, a willful abandonment of nearly you know a quarter or a third of your NBA franchises, and to yeah, me that's just it, to me know, that's just not smart. You know what's interesting this year? I believe with League Pass, you're going to be able to opt in on like a per game basis, right? Um, God, I don't give me that's a whole nother conversation. Seven dollars yeah, for know. a basketball game. So I don't know. Get if out of here! I don't. I don't know if they'll look at that. I'm sure someone will look at it and say, "Well, hey, uh, you know, Team X had X number of buy-ins on you know this game night or whatever." But it's just, yeah. I mean, this is a much larger conversation, I think, for the league. But they do need to look at it because if you're ending up with, especially in the in the dog days of the season, bad games, especially on these national TV nights, it's. It's not good for the it's not good for the league and and they're getting called out on it more and more and that should help things but I don't think it's anything that's going to be an immediate change. Let us know what you think on Twitter at Hive Talk Live. You can comment on the the post that this audio is posted in on at thehive.com. Definitely let us know what you think to the actually I think there's a poll in the post as well. Let us know what you think. How many uh national TV games do you think the Hornets should have gotten this year? We'll keep talking about it. Uh, We come back uh, on the air September 1st. Our regular season schedule commences, and uh, we'll talk about training camp. We'll talk more about the schedule when we get a, you know, sort of a deeper analysis of this schedule. Uh, But until then, folks, uh, thanks for listening to this stinger. Uh, Make sure you check out the videos that we're releasing all August and into September as well. Uh, David's going to get in on the action this uh, summer video breakdown series. We're taking a look at the Hornets newcomers, that includes Jeremy Lin, Nicholas Batum, and Frank the Tank Kaminsky. 
a lot of video action ahead. So uh, make sure you check that out. David, uh, thanks for joining me. I know you had a cold. Uh, you're, you're getting over a little bit of a cold, uh, but you sound great. Let me tell you that those, those well, that's the thing. Well, maybe, 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 maybe we'll hang to it. Maybe we'll hang on to it. If, 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 you know, if the people like it, let us hear it. Let me hear it. Let's put a poll up about keep the cold or, or get healthy. <laughs> that's awesome. Keep the cold or get rid of the cold. That's the new poll. David Walker. Uh, thanks for listening guys. Again, we'll be back on September 1st. Check us out until then. Let's swarm Charlotte.